0: Luke 12, verse 22, and the theme you have on the screen there, anxious about money. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we draw near again to the throne of grace, and Lord, this is a place where we do not merely wish to come now and then, but to live in the presence of God, not merely you who are the omnipresent God, the everywhere present God, but in a very special way, in an intimate and living and personal relationship with our Heavenly Father. O Lord, may we live in prayer. And would you hear our prayers and teach us and guide us. Now let, let your Spirit come and instruct us in the word of truth. O Lord Jesus Christ, our teacher, our rabbi, our Lord, our master, teach us by your Spirit and give us an open ear to hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was six years old, five going on six, my brother was in grade one, So I would be going to grade one in the next year, and I remember one day going with my mother to the school to pick up my grade one brother, and while we were waiting outside in the car, I cried. And I said, how am I going to learn to read? And she said, don't worry, they'll teach you. They'll teach you. Aren't we like that when it comes to money sometimes? All anxious, all uptight, all worried and stressed out, How are we going to survive? How are we going to make it? Why is there so much money left or so much month left at the end of the money? Why do we have to wait until the 55th of January? And Jesus teaches us not to be anxious. In Luke chapter 12, if you'll follow with me the reading of God's word. Luke 12 verse 22. And Jesus said to his disciples, If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven... How much more will He clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek His kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail. Where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Number one. Here are reasons why you should not be anxious. Reason number one. Anxiety makes you miss the point. And that's in verse 22 and 23. I remember listening to a sermon by John MacArthur a number of years ago. And in the sermon, John MacArthur told of of a trial sermon that he preached. He's a student, a theological student, and now he has to preach in front of all the students and in, in front of the professors, like an examination sermon. And he said there's only one professor that he really wanted to impress and please. And after the sermon, that, profession, that professor said to him, MacArthur, you missed the point. You missed the point of the passage. And sometimes we're like that. Especially if you're anxious about money, you missed the point. What is life about? And That's why Jesus tells the disciples in verse 22, do not be anxious about your life and so on. Don't be anxious about about life, about money, about food, about what you're going to wear, as if life is all about money. As if life is all about these things. Remember last week in verse 15 we read, Jesus said, take care, be on your guard against all covetousness. Covetousness in Afrikaans, gierigheid, you greedy. Be, be, be on your guard against that. Why? For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Life is not about how much you earn and how much you own. What does what money help? What do riches help? What does wealth help you when you die? Nothing. As we saw last week in verse 20 and 21. Here's this rich farmer and he's gathering lots and lots for himself. And God says, you fool. You're going to die this night. And then all this stuff you've gathered, who's it, who's it going to belong to? So therefore, verse 22, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat, nor about your body what you will put on and it's it's a pity that that does not sink in very often it doesn't sink in doesn't sink into the heart because when you come to the 20th of the month or maybe even earlier and you open the fridge and there's nothing in the fridge only as you've maybe seen there's a bottle of water and lettuce (laughs) you think what am I going to eat or you open the cupboard and there's no, grocery, no groceries left and you think, what am I going to eat? Or maybe you're a teenager and you've got a, clothes, a cupboard full of clothes, a wardrobe full of you. What am I going to wear? There's lots, don't worry. <laughs> but we get all anxious and concerned about these things and we think God is not going to provide. How am I going to survive? I remember a, a guy off the street. He lived with us for a while and then we took him to a shelter in Pretoria and he lived there. And then he came to visit us in December last year. And he said, during this visit, he said they got Christmas gifts. And you could say, what do you want for Christmas? Do you want roll-on, some kind of deodorant spray? Or do you want a tin of hot chocolate or coffee or Rusks? He said, this one guy got a box of stuff with coffee and sugar and Milo. Milo for the Americans, the kind of, I don't know if you know Milo, kind of malty drink, uh, malt and so Milo and Rusks, and he said that guy that night, that very night, he eats that tin of Milo as if he's never going to get food again. And he eats all the Rusks and eats the sugar and when that's done he wants mine. And we're like that sometimes. And yet God provides every time. And do you know how I know that God provides? Every time you've been stressed out about money and food and how you're going to survive, how do, I know, how do I know God provided for you? Because you're still here. And some of us with a little bit of extra weight. That's also the Lord's provision. Or maybe you stress about your growing children like my children. I think the girls are now grown and Timothy's still going. And so he walks into church a couple of weeks ago. Just as the morning service starts and he slides past Deirdre and I. More, I didn't have breakfast. And we're so worried about these growing children, and, and you get stressed out. How are we going to get clothes for school? They're growing, and is they going to, are they going to be, will we have enough clothes for the winter? And, and once again, you're stressed, didn't and help, and God provides. Like James 1 tells us that God does not change, does He? God does not change. Every good gift is from above, from the Father of lights. <coughs> So will God give you life, because He's given us life, right? Will God give you life, but then not give the food you need to stay alive? Will God create your body, but then not give you the clothes you need to cover that body and to keep that body warm? That's the point in verse 23. Life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Life is about more than food. It's about more than clothes. You can have a a wardrobe full of clothes, you can have a cupboard stacked with groceries, and yet that will help you nothing if you do not have eternal life. That will help you nothing if you do not do what Jesus says in John chapter 6. I'm just going to flip there and read that to you. Uh, John chapter 6 verse 27 to 29. Do not work for food that perishes. But for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to Jesus, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God that you believe in him whom God has sent. Jesus is the bread of life. What does it help you've got bread from checkers or bread from pick and pay, but you do not have the bread of life? You're going to die without Christ. And what did all your food and all your clothes help you? Nothing. So Jesus again, verse 23, life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Number two, second reason we should not be anxious about money. Anxiety makes you forget who you are. And that's in verse 24. Some years ago, maybe three or four years ago, we went to Jeffreys Bay on holiday to the Eastern Cape. And on the way there, I cannot remember, was this the... Road as you that the road that leads up to Cradock, or was it the road leading up to Graf Renet? Because we've done uh, gone both ways for a number of years. But on the way, there's all these lampposts, these telephone poles, and wow, lots and lots and lots and lots of crow's nests. See all these nests on top of the telephone. Why are there crow's nests? Because they are crows. Why are there crows? Because God provides them with food. And that's what Jesus says in verse 24. Consider the ravens, or the crows. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than birds? God feeds the crows. Why did that crow, when Noah was in the ark and Noah let the crow fly... Why did the crow fly to and fro and he didn't come back to the ark? Because there were probably dead animals floating on the water and he had food to eat. So God provides food. In Job chapter 38 verse 41, in the Afrikaans Bible it's going to be Job 39 verse 3, strangely. But Job 38 verse 41, it says the crows cry out to God and God gives them food. The baby crows cry out to God from the nest. God provides them with food, says Psalm 147 verse 9. And a number of verses in the Psalms where God has an open hand and He feeds all these creatures. He gives to all His creation abundant supply. Roadkill. <laughs> That's what crows like. So God feeds them. <coughs> they don't... They don't, they're not like the rich fool we read of last week in verse 18. this rich fool building bigger barns I'm going to build, build more and more storehouses for all my grain and all my goods. They're not like that. Jesus says that in verse 24 they don't gather into barns. they don't have storehouses on the farm where they put the dead mice and the <laughs> they don't do that. God provides for them every day and They don't stress about the future. And now Jesus, the point Jesus makes in verse 24 is, you are more valuable than birds. We saw that a couple of weeks ago in verse 6 and 7. It says in verse 6, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies and not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows, many birds. And now he says it again. It's like, like he wants to tell the disciples, I want you to get the point. I'll repeat it for you. You're more valuable than birds. Do not stress. You are made in the image of God. I remember when my Labrador was poisoned some years ago. uh, Jennifer was six years old and she said, those people are ugly because Tom, Tom is the name of the dog, Tom is created in God's image. And I said, no, 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 no. Tom is not created in God's image. Tom is a dog. Humans are created in God's image. We are of more value than animals. We have more value than birds. And more than that, Jesus died for not crows, for humans. You are of more value than birds. Will God care for crows and not for his children? Third reason anxiety makes nothing better. That's in verse 25 and 26. Now, sometimes we use measurement to describe time. Now, I don't mean we say, how old are you? Oh, 80 kilometers. No, that's not what I mean. What I mean is we use measurement in this sense to describe duration of time by saying the life span of the average human is. Now, span is measurement but we use it for time. Or we might say when you turn 80 years old and you've got a birthday, then we say, that's a milestone. You use mile to describe time. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing in verse 25. Which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span? There you have span of life. That's measurement, length. To describe time. Which of you can do that? Asks Jesus. What does stress help? What does stress do when you stress about money, you stress about food, you stress about clothes? What does it help? Nothing. Nothing. Stress won't put food on your table and it won't put clothes on your back. The only thing stress is going to do is it's going to damage your relationship with God. Because stress keeps you from God, stress keeps you from prayer. Being anxious, I'm going to figure this out. I'll work it out. Instead of, I can't work it out. And going to the Lord and casting your burden on the Lord, and He will sustain you. Furthermore, stress does not, like Jesus says, add to your life, what does it do? subtracts from your life. You're going to get a stroke. You're going to get a heart attack. You're going to get high blood pressure. Something's going to go wrong if you keep on being anxious. So if stress, if anxiety cannot even add a few minutes, teeny weeny seconds to your life. If you can't even do something small like that, Jesus says, what about the smallest stuff? What about... Stressing about food and clothes and what is that going to help? Fourth reason. <coughs> we should not be anxious about money. Anxiety, and this might shock some of you, anxiety is sin. Verse 27 and 28, we find that. And I'll, we'll read through it in a moment. Now, psychiatrists and psychologists will tell you Psychiatry is a medical problem. Psychiatry is a chemical imbalance in the brain. They've never proven that. That is a theory. They'll tell you that. They'll tell you anxiety is something that happens to you. Jesus says anxiety is sin. Jesus calls it at the end of verse 28. He says, O you of little faith. Jesus says it's a problem of unbelief. Jesus says it's a problem of disobedience because He tells you, do not be anxious, do not be anxious, do not be anxious. If you say to Jesus, sorry Jesus, I've got a chemical imbalance. Jesus is going to say, no, (laughs) you are disobedient. I'm telling you not to be anxious. Trust me. Anxiety is not something that happens to you. I can just see that someone going to, to the hospital for an operation. Oh, what operation are you? No, they're removing the anxiety. They're going to cut out the anxiety. <laughs> no, no. It's not something that happens to you. Anxiety is something you do. Now, Xanax and Valium and other tablets, medication, that can suppress symptoms, but it cannot get to the root. It cannot solve the problem. What is the problem to anxiety? Or what is the solution to the problem of anxiety? The solution is three letters, starts with a G and ends with an D. God, God is the solution. Listen to this quote by Maurice Roberts. Can we get it on the screen, please? It is our folly that we allow ourselves to look at life's problems as if they were somehow isolated from God. The mere thought of God should end all anxiety. <clears throat> if God be God, then no insoluble problems exist. There is in God just exactly what is needed to solve every riddle of life. Panic is the sinful failure to apply our knowledge of God to particular problems. Peter looks at the waves and begins to sink. Panic is possible only when God is obscured from our thoughts by visible circumstances. There is no situation in life too hard for God. The impatient urge to resign and run away when times are trying is unworthy of the sons of God. Life's secret very largely consists in holding God in our thoughts as much as possible, and especially in times of fear and need. End quote. So what should you do when you're anxious? The first thing you should do is not try hard not to be anxious. The first thing you do is go to your Father and say, Father, forgive me that I've been a man or a woman of little faith. I have not trusted you. Please will you cleanse me through the blood of Christ? And then you do, verse 27 and 28, consider the lilies, how they grow. Look at the flowers. Now, the, the translation here, lilies, that's from a Greek word that can actually, they're not quite sure what kind of flower this is, but, but that's not the point. The point is just look at the flowers in the field. Look at the detail in those flowers. You, let's take a lily for, for example. There you've got a lily and the, flower, the the petals of the lily, the flowers, white, and then there are these pink streaks in the flower. Where does the white end and where does, where does the pink begin? You don't even know. It's just amazing how God has designed this, and you see the speckles and the spots on the inside of the petals. And the lily has six petals, the flower. Three of them are broad and crinkled. Three of them are, are narrow and, and straight. It's amazing, the design of these flowers and how God clothes them in different colors, white and pink and an orange burst with brown speckles and yellow stripes. Wonderful, the design and the beauty of God in creation. And Jesus says, look at those flowers. What do they do to be like that? Oh, they stress at night, how are we going to look beautiful tomorrow? You know, like the women have to paint ourselves and sit in front of the mirror for an hour and do them. No, 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 no. None of that. No toiling, no spinning, no making of clothes. God clothes the flowers. God makes them beautiful. And Jesus says, even King Solomon, all his majesty, his glory as the richest King Israel ever had. What, what robes did he have? Probably... Purple and crimson and maybe blue with gold interwoven—I don't know. But here's rich Solomon. Even Solomon, you can—you can try and dress like a flower, ladies. You won't look like that flower, really. Even you see these these designers of clothes, and they try to—they look at a, maybe a flower and try to match that in material. They can't get it right. The colours don't match, and yet in the flower they do. So why are we concerned, Jesus says? Why are you worried? Why not do what the Bible tells us in Isaiah 26, verse 3? You keep Him in perfect peace, whose mind is fixed on you, is stayed on you. The mind fixed on God. Thoughts filled with God. Whatever is true. Whatever is honorable. Whatever is... Lovely, whatever is commendable and so on. Paul says, think about these things. Fill your mind with these things. Set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So keep the mind fixed on God. And then very important to overcome this anxiety is work. Work to provide for your own family and to share with those who are in need. Share. Do not bring Luke chapter 12 before God. Don't throw this passage before His face if you are lazy. If you will not work, you will not eat. 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 10. And then get all anxious. Why is the Lord not providing but you're not working? Work. And then also, please do not say, and you're all anxious and worried and Do not say God is not providing, I've asked Him and He's not providing and He has provided and you're wasting the money. You're wasting it on addictions, whether that be cigarettes or alcohol or drugs or too much medication and there's a place for medication, I'm not against that, I'm just saying addiction to medication is bad. So you're wasting the money on luxuries, why did the Lord not provide? But you're wasting the money that the Lord gives you or you're wasting it on gambling or you're wasting it on debt. Going into debt. And you say, why did the Lord not provide? He did. You need to confess that. And then work wisely. Draw up a budget. And then speak to Christians who know how to work with money. And say, can you help me? Give me guidance here. How do I work with this? How do I sort out these things? Right, what if you don't have a job? Is that a reason to be anxious? No. You look for a job. You pray for a job. And then you remember, every business in this country, every business in this world belongs to whom? God. The cattle on a thousand hills belong to God. The gold and the silver in the world belongs to God. Haggai chapter 2 verse 8. Psalm 24 verse 1. The earth and its fullness is the Lord's. So everything belongs to God. The economy belongs to God. Everything is His. You don't need to say, well, I can't find a job because of this reason, that reason, and uh, scarcity of work. God is in control of everything. And so you go to your Father and you say, Lord, help me. And eight hours a day you spend that time looking for a job and praying for it. And Will the Lord... Will the Lord uh, clothe these little flowers on the grass. Jesus even says in verse 28, now he's not only speaking about lilies, now he's speaking about little flowers on the grass. I was in the Western Cape in 2018 for uh, some meetings we had there. And during that time, one, one afternoon I went out and I was in a quiet place, walking up and down, praying, talking to the Lord. And I saw this little flower on the grass, a little, little purple flower, maybe maybe half the size of my pinky nail. And I looked at this flower, and I picked it at five petals, and I turned the flower upside down, and each petal, purple, had a dark purple stripe. It's like it's painted under every petal. Who sees that? We just walk over it. We don't even notice it. Who picks it up to see? I wonder what it looked. Well, I did that day, but most, most of the times we just... Ignore that. Why does God care about that flower? Painting it underneath. (laughs) And will God do so? Will God do that and not care for His children? Verse 28. If God so clothes the grass which is alive today in the field, tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will He clothe you, O you of little faith? Second last reason, number five, anxiety makes you like the world. And that's in verse 29 and 30. Last year, my brother went, was it on a business trip? And when he came back, yes, a business trip to Cape Town. When he came back, I picked him up at the airport. And as we were driving to my house, he said, you know, I looked out of the window of the plane and I saw these little houses and I thought how stupid people are. I'm going to stress for the rest of my life. I'm going to be stressed out and chase money. And I'm going to have a bigger little house than you. <laughs> That's what we're living for, running like ants. To get these little houses and to say, my house is bigger than yours. And you look from the plane, oh, yours is a millimeter longer than that one. How foolish, how stupid. And that's what the world chases. That's what they're stressing about. That's what they're chasing again and again, again and again, day in, day out, week in, week out, for years. Verse 29 and 30. Do not seek what you are to eat, what you are to drink, nor be worried, for all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. And then what we do, it's not only food and clothes that we chase. You know what we do? We buy very expensive stuff to get the food and the clothes. So I've got a more luxurious car than you to sit in traffic. (laughs) Traffic jam. At least I sit in luxury. (laughs) How foolish. And then we build bigger cupboards. Bigger wardrobes to have more clothes. Bigger cupboards to stack more groceries. And the bigger the salary, the richer the food. The bigger the salary, the more expensive the clothes. And everywhere in the world, people do this. Jesus says in verse 29 or verse 30, all the nations do this. Everywhere you go, people are stressing about these things and chasing these things. Temporary things, is it not? Money and food and clothes, and you stress about anything that threatens that. If the economy crashes, now we're stressing about it. How are we going to survive? How are we going to make it? the petrol goes up, we stress. Power cuts, we stress. Christians shouldn't live like that. Christians should not live as if you do not have someone who will provide for you. We have to fight for survival. Christians don't live that way. Psalm 127 verse 2. It is in vain. It does not help that you go to bed late and get up early eating the bread of anxious toil, anxious work. For the Lord gives to His beloved sleep. Or He gives it to His beloved in their sleep. Live with this knowledge. You have a Father in heaven. You have a Father who cares about you. You have a Father who is the Father of everyone who repents and puts their trust in His Son, Jesus Christ. Trust in Him, verse 30. Middle of the verse, your Father knows that you need them. And then you live with this knowledge. He knows. God knows what you and I need. Even before you pray, Jesus said in Matthew 6, verse 8, the Father knows what you need. He knows everything about us. And we should thank Him that He knows my need. And He provides even more than my need. Right? He does not only provide enough food for 5,000 families, bread and fish. There are 12 baskets left. He gives us richly, provides us richly with all things to enjoy. Final reason, number six. Anxiety makes you lose focus. And that's in verse 31 to 34. Now the classic example of this losing focus is a man, some of you know him, and his name is Simon Peter. (laughs) Simon Peter lost focus. So Jesus is walking on the water. Peter says, Jesus, if it's really you, tell me to walk on the water toward you. And Jesus says, come Simon. And Simon steps out of the boat and he walks on the water and then what happens? Yes, he gets distracted. He loses focus. He sees the waves. Oh, look at the waves, and he starts sinking. Doesn't look at Jesus. And the world does that. The world does that. There's this focus on money. There's this focus on finding food and finding clothes and getting more for myself. Material things. Verse 29 and 30. And then Jesus says in verse 31, "Don't you be like that." They seeking all that. They chasing all of that. You chase something else. You seek the kingdom. You seek the kingdom of God, or as Matthew adds in Matthew 6:33, and His righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Now, this is quite interesting. In verse 30, it says the nations of the world seek these things. What do they seek? Well, material stuff. How do they seek it? Whew. Intensely. With great intensity. They're chasing it. It's like they're hunting it down. I want this. And then the next verse, you seek the kingdom. So how should you seek the kingdom? With the same intensity, they seek money and seek worldly stuff. With that intensity, we should seek the kingdom. How do you seek God's kingdom? Seek the kingdom. How do you do that? Oh, I think there are many ways you do that. The very first thing, you must be sure and you must seek with all your heart until you are certain, I am in that kingdom. I'm part of that kingdom. Unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So you must be born again. You must remember the words of Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. You turn to this Christ. You trust in the Savior. And through Jesus, you have access to God. The curtain, when Jesus died on the cross, you remember the temple curtain was torn from top to bottom to say, Sinners, you can come. Come into my kingdom. Through my son Jesus Christ. So you have access through the Lord Jesus and then you live as a kingdom citizen. You no longer live as a citizen of this world. You live like a Christian. You live like someone who is born of God. You shine your light in this world. And then what you do is you call others to say, come to this kingdom. I want to tell you about this king." And you tell them about the King, your King, Jesus, and how He died on the cross to save sinners, how He was buried, how He came back from the dead. He's the Son of God. He's the living God. And you tell them, trust in the Saviour. Repent. Turn away from your sin. Turn away from your self-righteousness of trusting in yourself and your own goodness, because there's no goodness. We're all sinners. We're hopeless. And you trust in the Saviour. So bring them. Spread the message of the kingdom. And then you pray. You pray for the spreading of this kingdom. Let your kingdom come. You give for the spreading of this kingdom. How can we support gospel work and the preaching of the gospel and the extension of the rule of Jesus Christ? And then you pray for the coming in all its fullness of glory. And glory of the King. The King who will bring the kingdom to its consummation, to its fullness. And what will happen if you do that? What does verse 31 say? What will happen if you have that heavenly priority, that kingdom focus? What does the text say? All these things will be added to you. God will provide what you need. You don't need to stress about it. You just focus on the kingdom. Maintain focus. Like my brother, he worked for Cecil for many years. Him and his wife were both engineers there. And so Cecil sent them to the United States for training. And I think it was a two-month or three-month training. And while they were in the United States, man, they stressed, where are we going to get food? We're in this foreign country, and where are we going to sleep? There's no place to sleep, and we don't have clothes to wear. They did not stress at all. Sassel paid it all. All they had to do was maintain focus. you therefore work. We are sending you for training. Get the training. Don't worry about the rest. We will provide that. That's exactly the same principle here. You are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. If you repented of your sin and trusted in Christ as your Savior, you're a citizen of the kingdom. The king will provide. You just seek the kingdom. You just have a kingdom focus, a heavenly focus. Don't stress. You seek the kingdom, verse 31, God will provide what you need. You know, I think sometimes we're a bit short on the finance side. I'm not saying that's always the reason, but sometimes I believe the reason is exactly because we're not doing what Jesus said there. We're doing what the world does. We're chasing the money. We're stressing about how we're going to survive. And we're not doing what Jesus says. Seek the kingdom first. Seek the kingdom. I will provide what you need. And we're not doing that and we say, why are we in need I think what the Lord wants to do is He allows us to go through those financial straits, dire straits, because he wants, us to, he wants to wean us off the world. He wants to wean us off the world and focus, focus. Focus on Him, focus on His kingdom. He wants to teach you not to be afraid, but trust He will provide for you. He will take care of you. Verse 32. Fear not, little flock, it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That's even bigger. (laughs) That's not just just giving verse 31 what you need on earth. He's given you the kingdom. He knows you're weak. He calls them little flock. Fear not, don't be afraid, little flock. I know you're weak. I know you're made of dust. I remember that. I'm your shepherd, little flock. I'm your shepherd. And what does the shepherd do? Who of us do not know Psalm 23? <laughs> Maybe all, all of us know the psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Want is not, I don't want it. it means I don't lack anything. He's your shepherd. He will lead you to the green pastures. He will lead you to the quiet waters. He will lead you your steps in the footsteps of righteousness. He will lead you through the valley of the shadow of death. The shepherd is with you. He will lead you. He will protect you. He will guide you. He will provide for you. And not only little flock, verse 32 says, Father. God is the father of those who trust in his son. He's your father. He's adopted you into his family. Behold what manner of love the father has given unto us that we should be called the children of God. He's given you a kingdom, verse 32. It's his pleasure to give you the kingdom. I mean, Man, that's big. He gives us a kingdom. He's given the kingdom to the saints through Jesus Christ. You are an heir of God, a co-heir with Christ, the erfgenom van God, the mede van Christus. Just imagine that. Everything God owns, He gives to you. And He does, how does God give it? Grudgingly, like this father-in-law. Oh, Chandra, I hope everything's fine. <coughs> I'll just be nice with you because you like my daughter and I like my daughter. God is not like that. God is not, all right, I'll be nice to you because of my son Jesus, but I'll just bear with you. God doesn't do that. It says in verse 32, it's the Father's good pleasure to give you a kingdom. That's a pleasure. He delights in doing good to his children. He enjoys doing good to his people. God, that's his character. God is good and does good, says Psalm 119, verse 68. Turn to me and be gracious to me, as is your way with those who love your name. Psalm 119, verse 132. That's God's normal way of dealing with his children, is grace, goodness, kindness, pleasure, It's a pleasure for God to do good to His people, to give us the kingdom. Will God give us the kingdom and then not give us what we need? I'm sorry, pal. You need to suffer. God who did not spare His own Son but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Says the apostle in Romans 8:32. So why stress about tomorrow? Why are you stressed about Monday? Why are you stressed about next week? Why are you stressing about? Yes, but what about next month? Why are you stressing about next year? What if, what if my kid goes to college? It's matric next year. Why are you stressed about that? Why are you stressed about when you're 65? Oh, you know, when I'm 65, they're going to say you can't work here anymore. How am I going to survive? I don't have enough money. I don't have a pension fund. Yes, yes. God doesn't have money because old mutual, because the economy. God's not bound by that. So do you want to overcome your anxiety about money? Then verse 33, sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. Now Jesus is not saying, oh, I'm against you having personal possessions. You may not own a house or a car. That's not what Jesus is saying. In Acts chapter 5, you saw Ananias and Sapphira who cheated and lied. In Ananias and Sapphira, Peter said, Peter said, The farm or the piece of land that you sold, the property you sold, it was yours. No one told you to sell it and give the money to the church. Even after you sold it, all the money was yours. No one said give anything to the church. That was your choice. The problem is you lied. So God is not against having personal property. The point is, don't gather and gather and gather and gather for yourself. Just say, I want it all for myself, storing up like the rich fool in last week's passage. Like the nations in verse 30, chasing material things. We want more and more and more for ourselves. Don't do that. The point Jesus is making is open hand. Open hand. (laughs) Give out. Share with those in need. Have you got abundance? Then share. Then give where there is need. And by so doing, verse 33, you are putting away treasures in heaven, in the bank of heaven. So that's where you want to put away, that's where you want to store up, by giving to poor believers, and where there are other poor people really in need, not lazy people, poor people, and not addicted people, poor people. And then also giving out to the work of missions, and good works, says 1 Timothy 6 verse 18 and 19, thus storing up a a foundation, a real foundation, real treasures, not where moths come, you know, fish moths. You've got that, I don't know if you've ever had this, You've got this very nice, new, expensive, maybe blazer or shirt or blouse. Someone bought me a very nice Jeep sweater. And then my Labrador enjoyed it. No. He took it off the washing line. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's going to happen. That's going to happen. Dogs are going to eat it. Moths are going to eat it. Thieves are going to steal it. Rust is going to get to your treasures. Don't store it up here. You die with nothing. With nothing. You don't take it with you. So, you want to you wanna focus on, on heavenly things? You want to have a focus on God? Then give with an open hand. Give with an open hand to missions. Give with an open hand to poor believers. And what's going to happen if you do verse 33, verse 34. And that's the final verse. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So you give your treasures there, the heart's going to follow. For instance, you invest a lot of money in, in shares. What's going to happen? You want to check the newspaper or online. How are the shares are doing? Because you put a lot of money in. So where the treasure goes, the heart goes. You give lots and lots and lots to missions. You're going to want to know what's going on in the mission field. Are people being converted? I'm praying for that. And you're going to pray more for that. Oh, no converts. Let's pray more. And you want to give more. Where the treasure goes, the heart follows. So you want, you want a heart focused on heavenly things? Then give to heavenly things. Let me close by saying this. Anxiety. Anxiety about earthly treasure. If you give in that way that I described, it's going to be a thing of the past. You're not even going to worry about earthly stuff, really. You just, you just want, want the kingdom to advance. And you'll be, you'll be like, in closing, you'll be like uh, the man in the story. I heard this at a conference. A Welsh preacher told this story about a man. Who, he was always worried. He said, You would see him walking in the street like a question mark. Oh, there's the guy. And, and one day, this man was walking in the street, and he's all sprightly and joyful and happy and smiling. And someone said, what has happened to you? you you always worried and stressed and anxious. Why the smile? Why the joy? Oh, no, I found someone. I give my worries to him. Oh, really? Yes, he's new in town. He lives in this and this house, and this and this street, and I pay him, and he does my worrying for me. How much do you pay him? Oh, a thousand rand an hour. How do you afford that? Well, that's his worry. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's what we should do. Cast all your anxieties on God because he cares for you. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, oh, Lord, we come again. In in one sense, ashamed, Lord. Ashamed of our disobedience, ashamed of our little faith, ashamed of our sin. That we become anxious, we stress, we worry, thinking you will not provide. Oh, forgive us that we sometimes live like the world, chasing the stuff of this world. That we sometimes live like the world, all stressed out, as if we do not have a Father who cares. Forgive us, Father, and cleanse us of this sin and please help us to trust in you and help us instead of gathering for ourselves to have an open hand and give to the work of your kingdom and also to share with poor brothers and sisters. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.